Hey everyone, welcome to the Acrobatic Arts Podcast. I'm Loren, and I will be interviewing some of the top leaders and innovators from the dance and acrobatic industry. If you are a teacher, performer, student, or a lifelong learner like myself, you are sure to find these episodes intriguing and full of inspiration. Acrobatic Arts is passionate about providing current and relevant information for everyone. So please, sit back and enjoy as we share our passion with you and the world. Today I am live with Sarah Reese, and we are presenting a follow-up interview to episode 53, Life Lessons in Dance. Sarah Reese, hello and welcome to the Acrobatic Arts Podcast. Hi, Lauren. I'm so happy to be here today. Sarah, you have quite a history with this podcast. In season one, you talked about tips for cartwheel rebounds and roundoffs. And that particular episode was one of our top five podcasts of 2020. So congratulations on that. Season two, you presented a weekly mini about mats for acro dance training. And this episode had many viewers commenting on how helpful it was. If any of the teachers out there have questions about mats, Sarah's episode will definitely help you out. And then just two weeks ago, we aired your talk on life lessons in dance, which I must say was absolutely amazing. I know you mentioned that you were presenting it to dancers who are around the ages of 13 to 19 years old, but really Sarah, you brought up such important topics and situations that I feel almost everyone is sure to find a few valuable takeaways from it. I also felt it was important to do a follow-up interview with you, and I'm so thankful you were able to join me today on the podcast. Thank you. Because this is your first time live on the podcast, how about you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, where you grew up, how you started in dance and acro, and how that led you to where you are today. Yeah, so I grew up in Coquitlam, British Columbia, out west, and grew up in the city, and I was really big into all of the sports, so I played basketball at a pretty high level, and I also danced, and I did gymnastics, and I did diving for a while, I played rugby, I played, I was really good at badminton, actually, <laughs> so I was super into just sports in general, I had a hard time making it all fit into my schedule, um, you know, some things had to get dropped and I added things and I kind of evolved as an athlete over time. After high school, I got into the circus and got a little bit into uh, aerial hoop and I was coaching gymnastics. And I remember just really being involved in sport and really loving sport. And in particular, I was always fascinated with the mind and how the mind prepared for sport. And because I played so many sports growing up, um, and then also dancing and also being involved in gymnastics. Uh, I was really particularly interested in that as I headed into my academics after high school. So I did my first degree in kinesiology. And in my third year of studies in kinesiology, I started to minor in psychology. And once I got into the psych side of things, I was like, yes, okay, this is, this is what I want to be doing. But what happened was uh, in the academic environment, they actually don't really have programs for sports psychology that are easily accessible. So often it is a interdisciplinary 
program. And so you, it's not something you can just easily sign up for and do a doctorate in sports psychology. So there is a program across the border in Washington state, but there isn't really any in British Columbia. So you have to get a specific professor who will take you on and it's an independent study and it turns into be, it's very complicated to do it. So I didn't want to go back and do a second degree in psychology when I had just finished my degree in kinesiology. So I ended up doing a master's in coaching science and then later uh, started my PhD in dance medicine and as well as educational leadership. But through this whole journey, I kept going back to the sports psychology of preparation for athletics. And it always called to me, but yet I, I hadn't figured out how to kind of really bridge that gap in my academic preparations and in my work experience. I think I was probably about 15 years into my career at that point where I started taking, going back and taking more psychology again, even though at this point I was pretty close to finishing a doctorate. And then I switched over and started studying counseling, which um, I started studying full time and counseling sort of tied it all together. It tied in the psychology and it tied in the being able to talk about our emotions, our feelings and what's going on in our life and really helped me with my, my communication and all those things together. And so that kind of brings me forward to where I'm at now, helping dancers be mentally healthy in their competitive dance journeys and helping gymnasts overcome their fears on balance beam or vault or just being mentally healthy in sport. That's it. That's, that's where I've come from. And it's an ongoing learning process. And I'm so excited to be getting deeper into this work after doing many, many things to get here. And Sarah, correct me if I'm wrong, but throughout your whole academic journey, you also were teaching dance and acro as well as running a huge competition, correct? That's correct. Yeah, I was teaching dance full time from 18 years of age because that was what I was doing through my academic journey. So it's really nice, actually, that this is a message for the dancers out there. You can teach dance from 3 p.m. till 9 p.m. and school is from 8 till 2. I was in university for 13 years. I taught dance full time through all of that. Uh, that's how I paid for my university. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And also, I think just being involved with the dancers, so that age group, and then also running the competition, you really are immersed in this industry. The value yeah. that you bring with your academics, I always think it's a perfect match and that you can really help people everywhere. Yeah, the, the one thing about this industry that I've been interested in is it's one of the few uh, sports where you're constantly given opinions, other people give you opinions. It's not like after a soccer game, you're going to have people come up and be like, oh, when you kicked the ball that way, uh, it wasn't, you know, people will come up, they will tell you what they thought of it. They will tell you what you did wrong. They will tell you that they didn't like it, you know, and that is, that's a lot. That's a lot for us to process as teachers, as dancers, as dance parents. And it's a very unique activity in that way when you're talking about being confident and not letting our emotions kind of take over, you know? So let's go back to your life lessons in dance talk that we presented two weeks ago and maybe just tell everyone, especially if people haven't heard it, what are the sort of different categories or different points that you really talk about? 
I broke it down into some sort of things to kind of think about and reflect as you're um, going through your journey as a competitive dancer. So the first one is, is reflection, like allowing yourself to think about your journey, how it's going, where you would like to go. Uh, we often forget to do that. Um, and that's such an important skill as well as setting goals and making sure that those goals are measurable, attainable, realistic, and that you follow up on them um, and that you're actually, you know, making strides towards them through some kind of management system where you're kind of checking in on them and seeing how that's going. Uh, with that, the second thing is organization and time management, particularly there's a lot going on. You've got rehearsals, auditions, preparing all your costumes, getting ready for festivals. There's a lot that you need to organize and time manage. And I think parents are doing a lot more than ever to keep their kids organized. And especially the teenagers, you really need to step up and create a schedule for yourself and um, be on top of your own costumes. Because once you graduate and start working professionally, guess what? You've got to do that on your own. So that that's a big thing is starting to take on more responsibility for organization and time management. Uh, the next would be uh, leaning into the leadership opportunities that dance presents to you. So maybe that's assisting in your dance studio to work with younger uh, dancers or beginner learners, um, being a role model for those that need someone to look up to, and just taking opportunity to work with adults and engage with adults because they're going to be your mentors if you do want to dance professionally. From there, we talked a little bit about winning with grace and losing with grace. This is something that, you know, sometimes losses are difficult. Being able to accept a loss and, and you know, feel those feelings, but still be kind, respectful, and uh, move on from that loss in a healthy way. The next one was just starting to understand how we feel and what we feel and what our emotions are, you'd be surprised how many people aren't actually able to talk about their emotions or actually feel their emotions because they, they're not able to articulate what that emotion is. So people just become emotionally numb and they're not really able to identify that sadness, anger, fear, hurt, jealousy, what emotion it actually is. So starting to understand that about yourself, figure out you know, what feelings you have when you, when you're feeling certain emotions, maybe get into journaling and writing that down, because if you can understand what the feelings are, you're going to be able to manage them better. Of course. The sixth one was celebrating an other's success, which is super important because we sometimes, you know, of course we want success for ourselves. Um, of course we do. As we learn to celebrate an other's success and feel happy for them it's going to come back around to us. One thing that's really noticeable in dance is that we all rise together. So when my friend gets her side aerial and I don't have it yet, I am inspired by that. And guess what? I get it in a week or two. Now I have my side aerial also. We rise together and there's enough success to go around for everyone. It might look differently and we all have different strengths and different niches and we're all going to go off and do different things, but there's enough success for everyone. So we certainly don't have to feel jealous of other people's success. The more we open ourselves to being so genuinely happy for the success of our friends, the more success we will have ourselves. 
Seventh was just respect as a blanket thing to think about. How can we be respectful to our fellow competitors, to our family and our parents who are supporting us in dance, to the venues, um, cleaning up after ourselves, the facilities, the judges, the teachers. Um, if you've ever been disrespected before, you you can understand that this is an important thing to to learn and master. And it goes a long way in terms of saying thank you when you later need a favor from people or you you want you know a reference from people or you want to network and start booking auditions. Like being respectful goes a long way. Eighth was curate a positive attitude. And that's just simply, if you've ever walked into a room and someone is a positive spirit, they radiate this glow of this positive energy and you just want to be around them. And we all should want to be that person that lifts other people, that brightens a room, that makes people feel good because that is so powerful and that's going to come across in our dancing. When you see that dancer on stage who just embodies that positive spirit, you can't help but be drawn into them. So learning to let go of the negative self-talk, learning to let go of the gossip, um, just anything that's that's negativity that's not necessary, working on letting that go and curating this positive attitude. The ninth one is learning from everyone. That includes beginners. It includes um, new learners. It includes people that have done it for 90 years. Learn from everyone. There's something you can learn from everyone. And if the only thing you're learning is how to be patient, well, that's something too. <laughs> uh, tenth is apologize when necessary and take ownership of your mistakes. And to add to that, it's that, that also involves communication. So learning to communicate, sometimes we, it just feels easier to ignore something or not do anything at all when we've done, we know we've done something wrong and we, you know, it's, it's hard to own up to our, to our mistakes sometimes. And it's hard to apologize. And sometimes our pride or our ego is a little bit hurt, but learning to just own up to our mistakes, learning to apologize is going to help us release things. We're going to feel better. We're not going to hang on to this sort of baggage that's holding us down emotionally. So we, we want to learn to let that go and, and learning to apologize is a big step in that. The next one was learn to take compliments and also learn how to give compliments, genuine, honest compliments, but learning to take them. I know I'm terrible at this. Someone might compliment me on something and I'll just brush it away with a negative right away or I'll downplay whatever they said. That's pretty human nature for a lot of us, but um, we really need to listen to what people are telling us. We need to take the compliment. We should thank them for it. And then we should listen and internalize what they're saying because we have enough negativity in our own self-talk. We should really be listening to what other people are saying and leaning into that. And then there's two more. The second to last one is learn to embrace the difficult loss as an opportunity for growth. So whenever it is really hard, that is when we're outside of our comfort zone. And when we're outside of our comfort zone, that is where the growth is for sure. I think we probably all experienced that during COVID. And I think we've probably all grown significantly from that. And then the last one is develop resiliency of the mind. So it's not always going to be easy on our dance journey and it's it's going to be difficult physically, but also in our head, we need to remember 
It won't always be easy. We won't always love everything that we're doing. We may get frustrated in ballet class. We may get frustrated with the hours and we're not seeing our friends as much. It takes dedication and it takes resiliency to reach our bigger goals. And we're going to have to learn to understand that we're not always going to be motivated. So we need to learn how to be dedicated and we need to learn how to be resilient in our minds to keep pushing towards larger goals. So that was what the, the talk was about. It was really about human development, talking about the physical development, artistic development. And then the, the, this talk was really about, there's also that component of emotional development and interpersonal development. Thank you, Sarah. Uh, that was a great recap of your talk. And I hope that if anyone that's listening, if any of those topics stood out to you, please go back and listen to Sarah's whole talk because she really goes in depth with each topic that she just listed. And if there's any dance or acro teachers, this is what I was thinking when I first heard it was you could take each little topic and maybe play the five minutes at the end of your class while your class is stretching or maybe doing a cool down. And that way you can help your dancers listen you know, you could give the whole thing as homework, but sometimes that doesn't get done. So I would take the little <laughs> topics and play them at the end of your class, or maybe just the ones that you think are most applicable to your dancers. But Sarah, do you have any other ideas for the dance teachers and how to use your great talk? No, I love that. You know, maybe we should follow this up also with a, a written blog that's in written form that like these are the these are the 15 things and areas for growth. Mm -hmm. We can definitely put that on our website and put uh, it in the blog notes and on the podcast notes. We will make sure to include that. Sarah, is there anything else you would like to add to inspire the dancers or the teachers? I would just say that life is hard and that's okay. <laughs> life <laughs> is hard. We got to keep working on ourselves. We're all a work in progress always. But, and that's, that's what makes life beautiful, I think. Sarah, I hope you know that you are one of my most favorite people in the whole wide world. When you were talking about being the ray of sunshine or, you know, the person in the room that's really positive, I think of you. And I know a lot of our staff also would agree with me. I truly value your unique and refreshing outlook on life. And I want to thank you again for taking the time to talk with me today. Aw, thank you. I hope this episode helped you to better understand the emotional aspect that is involved in dance. I love that Sarah also gave us some tools to help you or your dancers navigate these life lessons. Thanks for listening, everyone, and have a great day.